I saw this the other day and I was like, man, TC and I, like, first kid is on Hulu. Oh, I know. I've watched this several times. I've also watched <laughs> Kazam several times since it's been on Hulu. You Kazam's know on Hulu? That? Yeah, Kazam is on Hulu. And Kazam is actually that movie that, like, when I'm working at home, that's what I just have on in the background. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not surprised. But it's so ridiculous. Shaquille O'Neal raps all of his dialogue. No way. At one point, he's rapping to an audience, and he's like, are you guys hungry? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, let's green egg and ham it. It's no, so let's not. <laughs> What's up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Bro Meets World. What up, Meets World? Your boy Meets World fan cast. I'm Siege. And I'm TC. Okay. I was like, I honestly was waiting. I was like, are you TC this week? Are you Tony Curtis? I switched it up from episode to episode. Okay. <laughs> I want to confuse as many people as possible. I just want to know who I was talking to this week. <laughs> you know, I'll respond to anything. Okay. Uh, so, where you at? What's going on? Well, um, I just, you know, saw the B-team episode of Boy Meets World. Uh-huh. And um, I have to say... There's a lot I want to talk about, but I mostly want to talk about the fact that a black kid was brought into a basketball episode. Yeah, no, dude, I got, like, yeah, you had to see my notes because I was like, uh, uh, it was the first note I took, like the very first note. I was like, glad they brought in a black kid for the basketball episode. I was like, okay, so a couple things here. And again, I will give them their credit. This episode pivoted when I didn't think it would. But I was like, okay, so are we going to talk about the fact that there's a black kid when we're talking about basketball? No, he's, he's the Linda of this episode. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, anyway, uh, are you ready to get into it? Yes, yes. Okay, so let's talk about episode 14 of season one, which is the B-team of life. Um the tell me about it is a frustrated Corey scores a bench position on the school basketball team. Accurate. Yep. Very accurate. Good summary. Concise. To the point. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you, Hulu. You're not, you're not, you're not wasting our damn time anymore. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. So, um, opening scene. Uh, we're in the halls of schools, and the boys, um, and the boys include a new classmate named Harris. Harris Roberts. Yeah. Of course his name is Harris Robertson. Like, whatever. <laughs> Man. And you know what's cool about this black kid though is I will say that like he's a cool dude. Like he has a sweet high top fade. He's I mean, he doesn't feel like he belongs in this school. But <laughs> he looks like he's a cool dude. Yeah, he does. Um it's just it's just random. And you know, at at first when I saw when I saw him and I saw this and I saw that it was a basketball uh themed episode, I was like, Oh man, we went back to like original form. It almost felt like it was out of order. At least the first five Well, yeah, because I were introduced to a third C kid and although the third C kid kinda serves a purpose because I don't think that Sean could alienate Corey the way he needed to be alienated in this episode on his own. Like, he needed, like, to feel excluded from a group of some kind. So I understand why they brought him in. I just wish it was a third seat kid that we had at least been introduced to before, not a brand new kid. Exactly. That was was another thing. I was like, it's not even, like, original black third seat kid. It's new third seat kid. (laughs) So yeah, a little consistency would have gone a long way, but like I said, I, they needed to make him feel ostracized, and I get that. Yeah, okay. So uh, anyway, the boys, um, Harrison, or sorry, Harris, Sean, and Corey, uh, watch the coach put up the list, and the list is who made first string, who made second string, and who's not making the basketball team at all. Yeah, and the boys seem like... Like, really just like, oh, I'm not going to get second string. I'm going to get first. You know, just kind of like being overly egotistical when they haven't even seen the results yet. And I was just like, oh, man. Of course. But we already knew that. And then uh, also, it's just like, they were like, what's worse, making second string or not making it at all? And I was like, uh, well, I mean, not making the team seems like it'd be worse. But they were like, no, making stream is even worse than not making it at all and i was like where's the logic i just don't remember there being any kind of just like uh 
like exclusion or or anything like that between like the bench and I I mean I never played basketball in school like that so I don't know what kind of like bullying took place but <laughs> this seems extreme. All right, so I did play football and I, I mean this is basically just varsity versus junior varsity and there's definitely prestige to varsity and there's definitely not as much prestige to junior varsity. So I'm just going to like this is middle school. Are they even playing whole court? Like, what kind of prestige <laughs> could you possibly have in sixth grade? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure every sport has its own kind of levels of exclusivity, but uh, this 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 seems like a stretch for me. Yeah, I mean, but also, I think, remember, we're still at the area where sports and, like, things like this are everything, are everything uh, to these kids. Um I was also kind of glad it wasn't baseball. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I'm happy to see that we're able to focus on something other than baseball because uh, baseball is <laughs> just so boring. Yeah, but well, I don't know if it's boring, but I definitely just think it w- it would have been so repetitive. Um, but also basketball was like a huge thing at this time. Well, I think also just for the fact that they, I mean, just from a timing standpoint, they're in the winter now so i mean it's basketball season oh yeah that also makes sense okay so they check the list first of all minkus checks the list and he made b team right after there he's thrilled he couldn't be more excited he's gonna tell his dad he's so excited (laughs) well i mean for for minkus too i don't know that like i feel like this would just be something for him to have on an, an application like a college application yeah well i mean like a college application but i also think minkus has shown interest in trying to be or trying to what he thinks is a normal kid so minkus is not opposed to like these things he always is looking to join you know what i mean sure sure so i think minkus just likes having a well-rounded education um but he also doesn't buy into yeah. like what the minkus re- is the man minkus yeah. is the man. <laughs> <laughs> so they check the list and sean is that a team and harris is on a team and he says a little air harris air harris yeah and i was like uh okay again god i don't know if this is Uh, problematic but we're just gonna push forward (laughs) hey did you notice how tall sean seemed in this episode yes i did i did notice how tall he is yeah he's he's going through a growth spurt in the season for sure he is uh and it's as you said it's kind of really obvious well, it's obvious just because no other cast member is going through that growth spurt. I mean, and, and like I said, eventually Ben is taller than Ryder. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see that transformation. But still, it's it's like he's he's it seems like he's a good like foot taller than Minkus at the certain point. Well, yeah, at Minkus, it's just like, uh, you know, I kind of feel bad. But it's also really funny because I think Minkus ends up being the tallest out of all of them. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I gotta check, but I just know that when I um when I watched the update uh Girl Meets World, Mikas is tall. Oh, all right, Lee Norris, you can, you coming into it. Yeah, yeah white yeah. bloomer. <laughs> so anyway, uh Corey checks and turns out that Corey made the beat team. And it, he's, he says <laughs> he says it like, in the funniest way possible. <laughs> He's like, he's like, Corey, he's like, Matthews, Corey, A-team. Wait, they spelled A with a B. <laughs> oh, man, I, I actually lost at that point. I, that was a really funny joke. Yeah, well, it's funny because also, like, Sean's like, maybe it's a typo. He's like, it's handwritten. <laughs> yeah, and that actually made me laugh out loud, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I love it. And then, you know, again, they had just talked about how terrible it would be to make, like, the second string. And they're like, now that it involves Corey, they're like, it's not like you're going to lose your friends or anything. His friends drop him at <laughs> literally the, the drop of a hat. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so, and that's our opening scene, and we get our theme song again. So, yeah. Yep. There's the theme song. There's Moving the- on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We next scene we have. Um, we're back in the classroom. Feeney's teaching us about Homo sapiens, and I like we get to see some classroom participation from other kids for once, which you know. 
It's uh, Minkus and Sean, and then there's this other girl who's like kind of tall for the class, and it's just really interesting to see her and Sean have like this little. I did not like that Feeny made Minkus the more evolved one and Sean the more de evolved one. Like I thought that was showing some kind of favoritism. <laughs> well, there is some kind of favoritism, and then also, I mean, who's going to play their roles the best? I mean, I mean, you're not wrong. I, just, I feel like Feeny should like, I don't know. That seems a little too obvious, but yeah. And then also, it's you know what? I was gonna say something, but I think they played it safe because I was like, and why? Like, why are we have this girl and not third seat kid? Because like, you know, we could have used Topanga or third seat kid instead of bringing up a. I would have loved to have seen Topanga in that role. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think they they played it safe and didn't pull an H and M. By making sure that uh, <laughs> oh yeah, third seed kid wasn't anything other than just himself in class, just a basketball player. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know they say this little bit about. Uh, sorry, Feeny asked the question: What came before the Neanderthal? And uh, of course, Minkus is the only one who knows, uh, and he gives the explanation. And Feeny's like, "Yeah, so right before." the neanderthal we were waiting for the lowest form of life to crawl out of the sea and enter cory matthews exactly which is like you know perfect timing and the class laughs and it's like a joke they're all in on it apparently cory was off uh asking and making sure but yeah there's no mistake he is second string yeah, and he's also second string in his whole damn life. <laughs> like this, him getting second string, like it puts him on a path of depression that I've never seen in a child before. So that's uh, yeah, this is very weird. Um, as I said a little bit earlier, this episode completely pivoted because I'm like, uh, all right, we're kind of doing the same entry that we've been doing, and I was like, okay, we'll have like Corey learn a lesson through basketball but no they take this whole him making second string very seriously well especially when we get into the family dynamic i'm like damn this feels personal exactly like Corey um is feeny comes up to Corey because the bell rings and Corey's just sitting in his seat and feeny's like you don't want any lunch and he's like why even eat what's the point and feeny's like i've never seen you this depressed what's going on and Corey's like uh i made second string and this is when Feeney says something where, like, when Feeney gives his response, at first I was like, he's got to be gaslighting him because this is such an I inappropriate just, response. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Feeney essentially tells Corey that he's like, you're not genetically equipped for basketball, essentially. And I was just like, wow, harsh, harsh lesson, Feeney. Yeah, he was like, oh, as far as Darwin's concerned, you're the dodo bird. And <laughs> he's like, you know, just telling Corey that he's not going to make it. And immediately Corey's like, oh, well, you know, Darwin doesn't know about sports, and that's when Feeney responds is like, actually, survival of the fittest, and the weak are weakened, are, are pulled out, and only the strong survive. And of course, Corey takes that as a challenge. She's like, well, maybe I'm supposed to evolve. Maybe I'm supposed to climb out of the slime, uh, which I thought was a little weird because he wasn't actually in class when they made that reference. Sure, yeah. So I was like, that's. You know, just a little bit of writer faux pas. But anyway, um, I, I, Corey immediately like takes that as a challenge and gets up and pulls himself and is like, you know, what? I'm not going to let you tell me that I'm not good enough. And that's when you see that that was Feeney's point all along. Yeah, um, but I do want to say something about this because I feel like there is a point where we're all growing up where we have to realize that physical is things that we're not able to do. Oh, yeah. And it's a, such a harsh lesson to learn. And it's interesting that Boy Meets World decided to explore that. Oh, yeah, that's a very good thing. I mean, like, as you said, just the mere fact that Feeney was like, uh, you're dark. Sorry. He was like, Darwin has already decided you're not going to be a basketball player. I mean, and you're like, he's not wrong, but I guess there are, like, lessons to be learned about, I guess, giving it your all, even if you do have certain limitations. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I never, I guess I never went out for something where they were just like, like, you can't do that because you're not good enough to do it, but. Yeah, welcome to my life. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I guess like in, in school, I'm thinking. Um, yeah. <laughs> because by the time we went to school, they were like, oh, anyone can play. 
No, yes and no. I remember distinctly people getting cut from football and um, soccer. Uh, it was not like a, anyone can participate. Didn't we have like those teams, though, that just anyone could play? There wasn't just the varsity in, in, in junior varsity, was there? There's like intermittent, inter, what's that word? Intermittent. Intermittent. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, big sports fans over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Maybe this is me being conceited, but I had no idea. Yeah, I guess I just, I do find it just very interesting that that whole, like, you know, I Darwin didn't design you to do this, or you weren't designed to do this, and then just trying to overcome your physical shortcomings. I mean, it's a very aspirational thing, but I mean, just speaking realistically, there's always so much you're able to do with your genetics. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's a, a kind of a big thing for a kid to take on without realizing how big of a thing it is. Yeah, but I mean, some of the things that, like, as we explore Boy Meets World, this, you know, second go around, it's interesting because they bring up really heavy topics and you can see that they're trying to like just touch on something um but that may not be the theme of the episode and yeah you know i you know it's a very interesting approach um maybe it's just to spark conversation or maybe it is just like of course adults writing and trying to like wean down their overall thesis into a 30 second or 30 minute sure sure Anyway, in our next scene, uh, speaking of survival of the fittest, we have Eric working out in his room. I just thought Eric was so funny in this scene, by the way. He is. Eric is. I was like, uh, we're getting the comedic chops of um, Eric, and I really, really enjoy it. I think the the show is just seeing what he's capable of, and they're just kind of like slowly giving him more and more to work with and more to do. And he's just, he's able to just do it every time. Exactly. Um, (laughs) You know, he has this little thing about like in the next 90 days, he's going to be the new Eric because he's trying to get built. Um, And Corey's like, I need the old Eric because the old Eric's the best basketball player I know. That can't be true. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I was like, really? The best? (laughs) I think he's just stroking up his ego. I don't think so. He legit was like, Eric, I need your help. And I was like, uh, I mean, even if you're older brother, you're telling me that Eric's the best basketball player in this neighborhood. Also, I've never gotten the idea that Eric would help Corey with literally anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, But I mean, you know, and and to be to your point, he doesn't. Yeah, he blows him off every time. I don't know why Corey even asks. Uh, Because he's young and naive. Corey's like, uh, I need to be better at basketball. And Eric's like, you call that a problem? I laugh at your problem. Ha! And uh, Eric is a little obsessed right now. He thinks he's scum. Yeah, he... he, The the reasoning behind his body image issues are the reason why he's, like, working out is so wild to me. Because basically what he tells Corey is... The reason why he can't get girls is because he's a sophomore and they all want to get with seniors. Yep. But I, that that can't be true. There, it, there's no way that every girl in this high school is only dating seniors. We've been to high school. Freshmen date freshmen, sophomores date sophomores. It's not that big of a thing. Well, of course it's not. Uh, this is, A, he's speaking in hyperbole, and then B, it's just probably the girls that he wants to. And it's probably not even girls. It's probably like one or two girls who turned him down, and he's just like, a, I'm not good enough. I wonder if he's going after senior girls. Of course he probably is. <laughs> but then, again, another really important thing to give him some credit is it is always known that girls date older especially when they're younger um so like in high school i definitely remember like freshmen going after juniors and sophomore and so on and so forth um or like senior girls or high school girls trying to date college dudes i mean again now that we're older it all seems creepy but (laughs) sure 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 very creepy (laughs) everything that was done um and then oh, I love he had just like this little bit about them with their cars and their muscles and their Burger King trainee hats. And again, that's only funny because it's like a to them that's like the peak of cool. 
to be a well, just being kid. able to bring in any kind of money, just exactly. to be able to like take a girl to a movie without having to ask your mom. I mean, that's that's a big deal. <laughs> um. Anyway, Corey says that he needs Eric's help, and Eric's like, "Look, the world doesn't revolve around you." And Kerr's response is, "I'm starting to get that feeling." And again, we we get this little moment of like a poor poor Corey. Yeah, I mean, I. I I think it's important that kids learn that the world doesn't revolve around them. But I mean, it's clear that he is feeling isolated in every area of his life. Maybe it has to do with him being sensitive or maybe it has to do with people just genuinely not paying him enough attention. I mean, it's it's interesting to me because and we'll get into this a little bit later, especially after the next scene. Uh, You know what? Let's just go into the next scene. Next scene, uh, we see Morgan. She's on the table. She's going to be the best princess in the play. Did this strike you as weird that, like, she was, like, really excited to be a princess? Just because I remember in the Halloween episode, like, Amy was like, don't you want to be a princess? She's like, no, I want to be a monster. Like, she seemed like she was anti-princess. And well, so, no, I, just, she I don't was, know, this strikes me as a little weird. She was anti-princess when uh, Eric gave her the zombie costume. I think right now, while Morgan's in class, again, she wants to be the best princess in the play. Morgan's just being Morgan. She's being, like, competitive. Okay, okay. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's probably it. <laughs> um, Corey is like, you know, in this scene, Corey comes in. Uh, turns out that he's already played their first basketball game, or the team has. Um, we find out a little bit later that Corey didn't even get to play. and he's Well, no one went awesome. to his game, so no one knows how he did. Exactly, and he's trying to, like, talk about it, but the family's all busy. You know, Morgan and Amy have to do this dress thing, and then the timer goes off and they go get cookies um alan comes home and Corey tries to explain his game to him but then eric shows up and (laughs) this whole eric thing uh him asking for a car just seemed really stupid to me of course it's stupid uh but like eric comes in he's like i need thirty six (laughs) thousand dollars it's just like uh like come on you guys can write better dialogue than this (laughs) well alan goes can you break fifty thousand which again I thought was really a good comeback to like such a ludicrous question, but then also I was like, I bet you that's how much Alan makes. You think so? Nineteen ninety three, fifty thousand, huh? Yeah, that house, that house. I mean, uh, this is Philadelphia. This is you know. I mean, think about it. This seems like a nice part of Philadelphia too. I know, but I'm talking. This is the nineties. Uh, our two thousand expectations of. Uh, the housing market no do not apply. <laughs> hey listeners, if you purchased homes in the Philadelphia area in the early nineties, can you let us know exactly how much you paid for it? Thank you. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, hold on one second. Yeah, a fifty thousand dollar house in nineteen ninety two would be eighty seven thousand now. No, no, not for that that house they were in. That's no, he's making more cow more money than that. <laughs> I'm just or like, maybe Amy is just bringing in so much money through real estate that it's making up for it. Okay, <laughs> I mean, you know what? No, let me not. <laughs> Amy could be bringing in the big bucks, we don't know. Yo, uh, she, yeah, she's she, we're sleeping on Amy, but she's the breadwinner, <laughs> exactly. That would be hilarious to find out later if they did like a episode uh, way, way in the future. It turns out Amy was the one bringing in all the money. Uh, I mean, I I I I do question their finances because you're right. Alan shouldn't be making enough to afford the house that they're in, but we'll get into that later. Oh well, not only that, but like, uh, are we really going to pull apart TV uh, housing? <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> okay. Uh, Corey keeps trying to tell the story, um, and everyone, of course, is just chaotic. Eric has like this little thing where, of course, he's like, if I can't get the car, then maybe I can get a motorcycle. Uh, and I just like the fact where it's like when Amy comes in, he's like, Mom, do you want to see me on a motorcycle? And Amy's like, no. And he's like, see, Dad, Mom wants you to buy me the car. And it's just like that childlike logic of argument. And it just seems like if you're going to 
if you're not going to let Corey tell his story, at least have it be because of something that's worth listening to. Like, that I would pay attention to. That would make me sympathize with the parents more if Eric actually had some big news that he was really excited about and it kind of overshadowed Corey. The fact that he dominates the conversation with bullshit, just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's kind of like Corey's problem. Corey is like, look, I'm constantly getting interrupted. I just want to tell you about the basketball game. And instead, you know, he just kind of like starts shouting and gets all animated and is reenacting. He tells this wild lie story about how he, you know, sunk the last scoring point and how he was a hero and all these things. And like the entire time, I'm just like, oh, it's obvious that he's making this up. Oh, yeah, completely. Uh, And then the family's like, oh, I'm so sorry I missed it. And Corey's like, don't be. I didn't play because I'm second string. And you know, he just kind of says it in like this defeated tone. And and so what's interesting is Alan immediately goes to say something. And Amy cuts him off and is like, there is for, there is nothing wrong with being second string. And I was like, yeah, what was Alan going to say? Because it does. I think it's like this whole father, you know, pride thing. Um about being I think I think he was gonna like say like you know we all kind of fall short sometimes or something to that degree like mm-hmm. nothing that uh makes Corey feel better about being second string but simply is just like oh I'm here for you during this time when you should feel ashamed um <laughs> that's why Amy was like no let's just right off the bat just kind of get this out there there's nothing wrong with second string yeah I mean I don't know I, Alan to me looked like he was about to say something else but I'll give you that uh but Alan does respond and he's like well why didn't you tell us and Eric's immediately like, I knew that. And they're like, well, why didn't you tell us that? That's why you share a room together. And I was like, well, that's an interesting note for them to put. Like, that's why Eric and uh, Corey share a room. It's so the parents can hear what's going on with Corey as he... Well, I think it's just that thing of just like your big brother, you know, you're supposed to kind of let us know if there's a problem with the sibling. You know, I think I think all parents kind of expect that of their kids. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> As an older child, I'm just like, what? All right. And then uh, Corey's like, look, I was having a crisis and you all are having a family meeting and you're with Eric all day at the store. And um, when you're not with him uh, at the store, you're talking about his love life. And then uh, Amy, you're with Morgan all the time and you get it. I thought baby. this was very interesting. This whole confessional Corey has where he says, mom, you're always with Morgan. Dad, you're always with Eric. I thought there was like some real honesty behind his character at this moment. Like no. this is exactly what a middle child would feel. And the fact that we're constantly seeing Amy doing Morgan's hair and we're constantly seeing, you know, the store, them talking about being at the store together. It just, it, to me, it just, it, I, I could sympathize with Corey in this moment because it seemed like he was accurate. Well, no, I completely agree. It's one of those things where once he said this and he had his little speech, especially he goes, it's hard being second string at school, but I'm also second string in my own family. Woo. Wow. Woo. That's, that's that's a hard thing for a parent to hear. Like, oh man, we, we really messed up this Exactly. One. And I was like, yo, and again, that was when I saw that this episode would be handling much more than I would give it credit for. Yeah. Yeah, because what it does is that for the first time, like it kind of puts the blame on the parents. Like for the first time, the parents need to learn something. Yeah, a little bit. And uh which is funny because the next ep- the next scene. Um, Amy and Alan are in the kitchen and Alan's like, uh, well, you know, Corey is overreacting and I think, you know, I'm going to go up there and tell him that. And Amy's like, is he though? Um, we didn't ignore him. Yeah. And I really do appreciate Amy just like kind of like taking that minute to just say like, you know what, let's check ourselves and see if we did something wrong. She also has a really funny, uh, joke where she's like, Corey's going through middle pause, middle pause. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fantastic. That is a great thing. It should be that's, used that's a, a funny lot more often. He's going through middle pause. But yeah, no. Um, I actually really like this scene. Because again, we've been getting a lot of really good parenting from Alan and Amy. Um, and, I, you know, nothing against Alan. But I think more so from Amy. Amy just always kills it. Yeah, and I think it just shows that, you know, even good parents have to work on it. You know, exactly. It's not something that comes easy to everyone. That's what I loved about it. It didn't show them like just having the answers. Alan and a- Alan had his own reaction, and Amy was like, "No, let's actually." 
talk about this and let's see if there's anything valid in what he's saying and maybe you know we can do better and i really liked seeing them as partners in parenting yeah which i don't know that we've seen a ton um but i i just thought this was a really just important scene yeah, I agree. Uh, they say that we got out- outnumbered because there's three of them and only two of us. Uh, so they devise a little game plan to, you know, make Corey feel seen. And uh, I think it's just fantastic. I think, and I appreciate it. It's, it, it they're, they're good parents. Yeah. Um, next scene, Minkus is like so proud of the past game. He was like, we were cheering on the team and we couldn't have been any closer unless we actually played. Well, I also love him referring to himself as Minkus Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He does do that. Which is funny because <laughs> I don't... ridiculous. Again, I, I guess that shows how much uh, basketball is big at this time. Because you just don't expect someone like Minkus to make a reference like that. Well, I mean, basketball at this at this time, I mean, everyone was in the basketball, right? Yep. I mean, that's how we got Space Jam. You ain't wrong. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Sean shows up with an issue of Sports Illustrated with an article about a list of players who started off on the bench, which I thought was a really great thing uh, for friends to do. Yeah, and it's it's interesting how like there there are scenes where they seem to just like completely ostracize him, and there's also scenes where they're trying to make him feel better. There doesn't seem to be any consistency among their friendship. Oh my god, you mean that eight year olds are fickle? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but no, I just thought it was great. I mean, because we see, I think it was one of those things where it's like everyone's having fun at first and they're lighthearted messing with Corey. But as we can see, Corey takes making second string and being separate from his peers a lot heavier than anyone expected. Corey's just a really sensitive kid. Like everything bothers him so much. If he has a bad hair day, if he's just like, doesn't get the best water gun, like he really is just kind of, I'm not saying he's overly sensitive, but he is just more sensitive than all the other kids in his school, it seems like. I mean, which is true, but that also is what makes him kind of, that's where his intelligence comes from, his observation skills. And I think um, the thing about Corey is, yeah, he's sensitive because he understands when he does and doesn't fall into the status quo. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I just, again, I wanted to applaud Sean for like doing that research because it's like, a especially this is before Google, he had to find an article where it actually highlighted uh, people who used to be on the bench. Yeah, and I also just don't find it, like, against Sean's character, just, like, when he's home, just to be looking through a Sports Illustrated. That's, like, that's pretty in line with him. Yeah. Um, but this inspires Corey, and he's like, you know what? I can, I can do that, too. I can uh, come back up from the bottom, and he's just like, a, you know what? Maybe I'll get to play, and maybe I'll earn 20 points and move up to the A team. And, you know, he's just, like, he's confident, and he's back, and he's determined to be MVP, and he rips over his shirt and shows that he's already suited up, ready to go. Um, and at this point, the coach is just like, Matthews, what are you doing suited up? Uh, second string doesn't play on away games. And oh, wow. Yeah, that was, like a, that was that was the look on Corey's face when he found out he wasn't <laughs> even going to get the chance to go and watch the game. It's like, wow, that's that's hard. Yeah, exactly. And it was actually, uh, for me, it was like, a, all right, a few things here. One, of course, we get one other teacher uh, and coaches. What? What is he, TC? Oh, you mean the, the African-American <laughs> coach? <laughs> yep. The the other teacher, the what is this, like the first male teacher we've seen? This is the only other male teacher we've seen. Um, he's not really a teacher. He is the coach. Um, yeah. And he is, he, is a, he is a colored man. Yeah, and I was just like, of course. Uh, we get a black kid for basketball. We get a black coach. but He kind of looks like uh, um, Lieutenant Riggs, too. Yeah, no, I did think that. I thought the exact same thing. Uh, <laughs> and I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I was a little bit upset with him for, like, just ripping away this kid. So I was like, you couldn't say that in, like, some other way. There was like a- I also don't put it against Corey that the coach actually made this announcement before and he just wasn't paying attention. Also very true. You know what? I mean, we're coming at it from two different angles. I'm like, poor Corey. You're like, nah, he probably was warned. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he constantly isn't listening. 
I mean, true life. Um, so after that scene, Corey comes home and, you know, he's just all sad and seems like no one's around. So No, he has a Macaulay Culkin moment. He comes home and it's like, I made my family disappear. Like, no one is in the house. There's no sign of anyone. He has no idea where anyone is. He's, it's almost like, a, for a second, you're like, oh, this is kind of scary for a kid. But yeah, I mean, it's also very weird because... Um, we had just seen the house be like alive with the family. You know, the last time we were here, there was so much chaos going on. And I think the fact that Corey was saying how much he wasn't feeling like he was getting any attention and then to come home to an empty house. um, I think as the audience is like, Oh, what's going on? I'm, I'm kind of, you know, drawn in a little bit more to the, the, the dilemma at hand for a little bit because i almost like I and mean, maybe it's just like knowing how tv shows work i was like oh they went to the game like i like immediately i was like uh, why is no one here ah uh, they're at the game I, I you know what i didn't see it so I, did. I, like, I, I did i was just like a, why would they not be here like no one's home and then it it, it dawned on me but uh, while Corey's watching tv one of the things i love is he's like uh, the news is like after not selling enough cookies, one Girl Scout's mom kills the rest of the troop, and I was, and Corey's like, "That's a supportive mom," and I'm just like, "No, that's a that's psychotic." Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a crazy mom, Corey. You don't want that. <laughs> exactly. Um, eventually, you know, after a f- uh, some time goes by, no one's still home, and Corey's like, "Well, I'm hungry. What am I supposed to do for food?" And he goes to the kitchen. And he's... By the way, I'm so glad that Corey's talking out loud, so we could, uh, <laughs> so we, you know, you know how children do. They just kind of narrate their decisions out loud when no one's home. All right, you know what? Maybe I do narrate my life when no one's home. You'll know. <laughs> Yo, different strokes, different folks. I never know who's watching. I mean, the government could be watching at all times. Or, the, I mean, I don't mean to tell you this, but you are Truman. Ah, uh, aren't you not allowed to tell me that? <laughs> no, I'm going. No, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, but Corey is like looking, and he sees that Feeny's grilling, and so he does like this little thing where he said it's very Home Alone right now. Like, this this actually feels like damn Looney Tunes. Yeah. This feels like a so like a cartoon of just like you know Bugs Bunny seeing like a pie on like a window. Like, yeah, like, exactly. What's happening. <laughs> uh, he calls Feeny, uh, and so when or Feeney's house and so that way when Feeney goes to answer the phone he hops the fence and takes the food that which I actually thought calling Feeney was a really smart thing to do I mean stealing food from a neighbor doesn't seem smart but the way he went about it was kind of clever oh are you kidding me my one thing was when he jumped the fence I was like how are you going to and it showed that he brought a fork and I was like you know what kid has foresight (laughs) what in the does it seem odd that he just didn't go, hey, Mr. Feeney, I don't know where my parents are. Can I have dinner with you? Like, yes. I feel like that would have just Yes. Okay. I was like, why didn't he just go up to Feeney and was like, hey, Feeney, I'm hungry. Because <laughs> Feeney would have just told him what was what was up right away. It wouldn't have been this whole thing where he steals the chicken. By the way, he's not successful with stealing the chicken. No, this, the chicken immediately, once he hops back over the fence, drops to the ground. And now I'm angry because I know how much chicken costs. And I'm just like... <laughs> Why was Feeney making an entire chicken for himself? Uh, you know, they do lots of stuff like this where I'm like, oh, why was Feeney grilling in the backyard of all? You know, it was like, there's just so many times where like Feeney's in his backyard and you're like, why? Why did Feeney have Well, Feeney? I imagine that the weather in Philadelphia in the winter is a good time to grill. <laughs> 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 that's a very good point <laughs> um, uh, but anyway when he unsuccessfully tries to steal Feeney's um, chicken Feeney comes back out and he's just like yo what you doing Like, and Corey's like look I was hungry I, my family's abandoned me because I made second string um, and Darwin can I just ask you a quick question I'm sorry I don't, yeah. I don't, I just before we move on how mad would you be if you worked all day and you were like, you know what, man, I just really want some damn chicken and it's ready to come off the grill and you go in to grab your plate and you come out and it's covered in dirt because of some kid. 
yo, I'm not doing anything to help this kid. He can walk to this basketball <laughs> game for all I care. Give me some chicken and then we'll talk. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's just like a, that's what I said. The moment it dropped, like, here's the thing. He sold the chicken. I was like, creative. I'd be mad, but whatever. When it dropped in that dirt, I was like, you know what? Now I'm furious. <laughs> Yeah, I just I don't I don't see why Phoenix I, I don't know, maybe I just get hangry more than <laughs> other people, but like if I'm if I'm about to eat and you mess that up, that's gonna be a situation for us. There's gonna be consequences and repercussions. Exactly. So yeah, Feeney is just like, yo, what are you doing? And that's when Feeney sorry, Corey's like uh he, you know, my family abandoned me, and I had to steal the chicken. It was Darwinism. That, you know, Darwin was just like a... Which I just thought was really... I thought that was really funny of him, just to be like, you know, it's survival of the fittest, Feeney, just like you taught me. Of course. That's exactly what Feeney does. I'm sorry, Corey always does. Corey's always like, hey, remember that lesson you taught me earlier? That's why I did what I did. Yeah, and I just love how Feeney just doesn't buy any of Corey's crap ever. Why would he? He's like, first of all, stealing is not the exact same as like chasing down a mastodon. And also, your family didn't abandon you. They went to the basketball game. Man, if he had dropped my chicken, I would have told him his family abandoned him. <laughs> I would have said, there's, there's no family for you anymore, Corey. You're done with that. Run. Is, why you never not... return. I knew you were going there. <laughs> uh, this is exactly why you are not Mr. Feeney. No, I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's like they went all the way out to see your game, even though they knew that you wouldn't play. And Corey's like, why would they do that? And he's like, well. And then we get this little, of course, Corey and Feeney moment. The Feeney by the fence, if we want to call it, it's a classic Feeney by the fence moment. I love it exactly. And Feeney's like, because the highest form of evolution is a family of human beings that care. Um, and then Corey's like, well, what if it seems like they don't care? And I love this little lesson right here, which is Feeney's like, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's the part of your personal evolution. Um, which again, is just like a, you, they were able to take a topic and make it apply in ways that I just didn't see coming. Yeah, they just there's always so many layers to their lesson, which I really love. Like, you know, with some shows, you're like, oh, I get the gist of this about 15 minutes in. But like with with Boy Meets World, they're constantly giving you like new stuff to chew on. And it's just it's really nice. Exactly. Um, and then that, you know, inspires Corey. He's like, look, I need you to take me to the game. I need me to be there for them to be there for me. <laughs> and he does like this fake little tear thing and then as you said i think this is when feeney's a little hangry because he's like have some dignity man well he even says like i'm not going anywhere until i get some food and then Corey's like well i'll get you a hot dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um but you know ultimately george is george and he agrees to take him and that's when uh, the next scene, we find out that the family comes home and Corey making it out to the game, he was able to play. Um, you know, I, I will say this just from a television perspective. The reason why we didn't see that game is because they didn't want to build a set for it. <laughs> That's actually a really good point. I didn't even think about that. They didn't even there. There wasn't even a set for them to borrow. Like they couldn't borrow like the Will Smith like, Fresh Prince basketball set. Like there wasn't one around. That's why we didn't see it. Otherwise, it would have been far better for the story for us to actually see this instead of hearing about it. I want to say like we didn't get any time with like was there a basketball in the in the episode? Yeah, that's what I mean. We never saw any basketball being played at all it was talked about tirelessly but never saw it uh but then again i you know what we kind of probably want to thank them um there's nothing worse than watching middle schoolers attempt to play sports yeah but i guess like if Corey has this big heroic moment it would have kind of been nice to actually see that somehow yeah. um, even if it was just like the winning shot or something i don't know it would have been nice to to be able to get, put some uh you know like for us to feel his victory with him yeah you know i get that um and alan you know they come back and of course everyone's proud of Corey. he got six <laughs> points at the game did you notice that eric comes in and the first thing he says is those sixth grade girls thought I was so cool. Yeah, exactly. He needed a little ego boost. I don't know. I maybe I'm just sensitive to the times that we're now in, but yeah, that no. seems kind of skeevy to me. Well, no, you're not wrong, especially after last episode. But I think, uh, to me anyway, it was one of those things where 
Eric was just talking about how much he hates himself and he hates his body and no one's ever going to like him. And having these sixth grade girls was just... You're not making it better. Not making it better. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll stop. I'll stop. Um, uh, <laughs> one of the things that I thought was cool was um, Alan goes on to say like, hey, I'm super proud of you for the way you handled yourself. And Corey's like, you mean the game? And he was like, well, yeah, the game. But, like, you came home to an empty house. You didn't freak out. You went to a neighbor. You saw, like, an adult's help. And I thought that was cool of Alan to give Corey those kind of props. Yeah, he was like, you commandeered the neighbor's car. And Eric's like, and the neighbor. Like, it's yeah, it's a very good point. Um, so, on that, you know, Corey's like, why did you come to my game? You must have known I would be on the bench. And, you know, Amy's like, a, we always like watching you when we have the time. And when we think about it, your dad still watches you sleep, um, you know, which is like a nice little sentimental thing. And Amy's like, we're not disappointed if you are second string or third string or no string. Um, Alan's like, we're only disappointed when you don't tell us when something's bothering you, which is a lesson I have to admit I'm still learning. That is like, you got to tell people when you're bothered. Yeah, yeah, like you can't just uh, let people assume that something's wrong. And I also just feel like for parents, I don't obviously we don't have kids, but I feel like parents like that is the most important thing that like you come to them when something's wrong because they're so worried about everything wrong happening to you all the time that when something wrong does happen, they want you to know that you'll let them know what's up. Well, you know, and but like from a child's perspective, it's you're always thinking that you're going to disappoint your parents or something like don't get me wrong i think it's really important to talk to your kids and i think what they do here it's great because they're like you should always talk to me when you need help but like for kids you just i still know some adults who are like well i can't tell my mom or dad they'll be disappointed i'm like they would much rather be able to help you than to find out later you know sometimes i just don't i don't want to hear them give me shit about stuff <laughs> if i'm just being honest like sometimes it's just one of those things where like i know they're gonna help me but i'm gonna have to hear a lecture <laughs> with it and i'd rather just control all delete that whole situation well you're not wrong i mean yeah that's a whole other topic for maybe <laughs> later episodes of brubby's world but yeah uh in, in general kids if you have problems uh tell your parents yeah yeah Okay, um, and this is where Corey's like, yo, I did try. I tried to talk to you. Um, and even when he says that, Morgan comes down and interrupts. And she's like, uh, you know who's upstairs reading a story to me? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan's little sass. Uh, but wow. I do like, I pointed out, Amy's like, a, well, look, you're going to have to wait. They They learned that, you know. They can't give Morgan attention every time she demands it, which exactly. is something that I feel like the baby of a family needs to learn anyway. Exactly. See, remember, side characters, learning lessons. Mm, um, bam. Yeah, but Alan's like, look, if that's the case, you have to make me listen. As long as you have my face, you have my attention. And I immediately welled up because I don't know why, and I'm pretty sure it happens later on in the series but I no this this is i know exactly why this this made you cry why? because because in the series finale when they're doing like the series finale is made up of all these different flashbacks to previous episodes and there's a, a real sweet moment between alan and Corey, and they do a flashback to this scene of like and it's so like the moment you see it you see ben as like an 11 year old when you're used to seeing him as like a 21 year old yeah so it's just it's it's just super just heartfelt and powerful when they use it so as soon as i heard alan say that it, it just made me think of just how far the show is going to go and just everything that this kid's going to learn between now and then and yeah it, there's definitely some some moments that kind of make you well up yeah and this was one of them i just love the idea like the the whole premise of as long as you have my face you have my attention and i love and i think Corey's response is so funny where he grabs alan's face and he's like dad what you're hurting my face <laughs> <laughs> it is it's a very cute moment and i just oh my god i was really really happy with it and then we get even more sentiment it's like if that wasn't enough Corey's like you know when you're 11 you start hanging out at other people's houses and you meet other parents and i know the difference between good ones and the bad ones and you know it's like a, it's a he never quite says the compliment but and then, like when his parents are kind of like waiting for him to finish he's like what do you want for me blood yeah exactly <laughs> which which <laughs> yeah, that was uh, what I was going to say next, which is hilarious. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a, a really good sentiment. I think this one really did focus on 
it somehow focused on family dynamics and at the exact same time was able to like bring Feeny in to like bring the framing of the uh, lesson. Oh, every character played a part and like the perfect part. And it was the perfect amount of every single character. Um, and I, yeah, I just, just, yeah, no, they, every, this was a good episode. Yeah. All right. Epilogue. We find out that uh, Feeny's a speed demon. So, uh, yeah. Uh, just, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is what it is. <laughs> okay, let's move into Feeny, Tommy. Um. All right. Well, I mean, the lessons are abundant, I feel. Um, yeah, I there's so the many biggest, lessons. The biggest lesson to learn is... Well, is there a biggest lesson? I feel like there's just a lot of several lessons about Corey learning that he can't be defined based on his basketball position, his parents learning that they need to be more in tune to all their children. Um, Eric learning that, you know, sixth graders will make him feel better about himself. <laughs> I, I you made know. that so creepy. <laughs> no, the Eric made it creepy. <laughs> but continue. Um, so yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of lessons. I'm sure I'm probably missing some. Um, what, what, do you, what did you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm always looking at like what some of like the overall lessons is. And I think um what Feeney and I always try to go back to what Feeney says because he's usually like a good summary of it but like the highest form of evolution is family and of human beings that care um and then just mirroring that with when you don't think that they care you have to give them the benefit of the doubt I think that is a really great lesson of just like a you know always being mindful of how people important to you play a role in your life whether it's a you know parents making sure that you're giving the kids the certain amount of attention that they need and kids knowing that if your parents don't give you all the attention you want right now that doesn't mean they don't care yeah exactly no no i think that's good i think that was a a good overall lesson thank you phoebe thank you for teaching us (laughs) um what grade did you give this i enjoyed this episode but I will say that it's not one of my favorite episodes. Like if we, if we were doing like a greatest hits of Boy Meets World, I yeah. wouldn't think to include this on that. So for that reason alone, I'm going to give it a B minus. Ah, I kind of, you know what? I'm learning your grading scale and I kind of felt that, but I'm also going to give it a B minus. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not a bad episode, but there's just nothing extraordinary about it either and so yeah. i just wanted to kind of be fair to those episodes that are really special well i mean we know how you're doing which is like grading on the whole series scale for me i'm almost always grading like in the moment and even but even compared to the episodes this season like that's what i was gonna say better episodes even in this season it's just like a, this was a good episode but i felt like it it did miss a certain something i'm not sure what that certain something was topanga it was Topanga. You know what? You're probably right. Because <laughs> every episode with Topanga is a better episode just because she's in it. I mean, look, I'm not going to deny you at all. Um, so you guys let us know what you think. Make sure that you check us out at Bruh Meets World. Uh, email us at World at gmail.com. Uh, TC, anything to wrap up? Yeah, just you know, um, you know, make sure to leave us your comments and reviews. Let us know what you guys like. Let us know what you don't like. Hey, if your um, parents ignored you growing up, let us know those stories. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, check us out on our social media. As always, you can check me out on Anna Kendrick retweets and the Braver Me on Instagram. Um, Siege. Yeah, you can check me out on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X T R A C E E J. I am currently live tweeting every time I watch a living single because that is. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I think everyone should watch a few episodes of Living Single this week. We're gonna, <laughs> guys. It's Martin Luther King Day. I, don't, I know we're not going to release it, but we're recording on Martin Luther King Day. Um, do it for us. Yeah, do it know. for the culture. Do it. Do it. Yeah, we we got a you know black excellence, y'all. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and to that point, um, remember to dream. Hey, you know who also remember the dream? (laughs) I knew that. (laughs) Dream, try, and do good. Dream, try, and do good. Later, bro. Later, bros.